This is the IBM Cloud Podcast with Dan Bettinger, covering capabilities, methods, and discoveries to help you cloud better. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the IBM Cloud Podcast. My name is Dan Bettinger, and I'll be your host today. Joining me today is Alex McMullen from the HyperProtect team. Alex, how are you doing today? Hey, Dan. I'm good. How are you? Doing well for this Monday. Alex, you and I worked together for a little bit when I first joined IBM, so it'd be great to catch up on what you're doing and help educate the team a little more about the HyperProtect services that you offer. Yeah, sure thing. Exactly. I know we worked a, a while ago on HyperProtect, and at the time, they were budding technologies and products that we had just released. So it's been a couple of years now. We've got three offerings in the market or products in the market. It's the HyperProtect Virtual Service, the HyperProtect Database as a Service, or DBAS, and HyperProtect Crypto Services. So it's a portfolio of offerings that we have out there. I'm on the product management team for that portfolio. I deal specifically with some of the go-to-market work around the virtual servers and enabling our sellers and clients on that, as well as go-to-market for confidential computing, also bringing in the whole portfolio in what it is and how we address this new need in the market and the things we'll be talking about today. Oh, great. No, that, that, looking forward to it. And, and you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, when I'm looking at IT spend and public cloud, I'm seeing numbers between 4 and 10% of IT spend is geared towards public cloud. I'm seeing 10 to 20% of the workloads are running in public cloud. But there are teams out there that really want to do it. They want to go further in, go beyond the basic type applications, but they've got security concerns. They've got regulatory concerns, which basically hinders their adoption. I did some additional research and realized that the cost of a data breach, it can be as much as $8.64 million to a company. And then to clean up a data breach can take as long as 280 days. And then that doesn't mention anything to do with the cost of intellectual property loss or the cost of brand damage. And in that context, I can see where maybe some teams do have concerns and they need some help. And I think that's where confidential computing comes in, right? That's absolutely right. Just to add some more stats to the list you just went off. I mean, in a poll that IBM conducted just a couple of years ago, but it's still relevant, it was 95% of our customers cite those security, privacy, and regulatory concerns as reasons that they haven't yet moved to a public cloud environment. And there's been a lot of play in the market to, okay, how do we address this? That is exactly where confidential computing comes in. We can define it, but you know, a lot of people are scared about what's going to happen to your data when it's on the cloud. It's no longer in your control. It might be trusting someone else. And how can you ever really do that? So there's a lot of interesting technology we'll get into, I'm sure, in a minute, but that's easing those concerns and really addressing those concerns of all our customers in terms of, hey, the cloud isn't that scary. Put your data, there's protections in place to keep it from falling into hands of people who are going to cause you harm or use that data maliciously. No, that, that kind of makes sense. I, I look at the cloud kind of like a building, right? You're going to have fences around it. You're going to have maybe security cameras, uh, security guards, gates, et cetera. But sometimes like in the defense department type situation, things might be so special and so secretive and, and sensitive that you need to have a special room within all that to actually do that particular business. And in my mind, that's where confidential computing comes in. Can you help tell the listeners or explain what is confidential computing? 
Yeah, I like your example um, because it really gets to the point of you know some things where you're actually performing uh, any sort of analysis on that data or any sort of processing on that data in a specialized room or specialized box because that's really what confidential computing is. It's the to jump right to the definition, it's the protection of data in use or in memory and specifically through a hardware-based technique. It can't just be a promise, you know, me saying, hey, give me your data, I'll be sure it's, it's safe. It's got to be an actual hardware-based, security-based technique, which gets to this whole idea on top of that of, of zero trust, meaning that how do you know who to trust? Does the wrong person have the keys to that secret box that's processing the data? Does even a cloud administrator, IBM Cloud is out there. Um, would we have back doors to that data? And all of this goes together to say with confidential computing, no, you don't have to trust anyone because there is no access to that data, even through back doors, even to the cloud provider without actually being an authorized user. So that data is being processed, it's being handled in a confidential computing environment in what's called a trusted execution environment or TEE, where no one has access to that data except for the authorized users, again, including the cloud admins. You don't have to trust that anyone can see that data that's not supposed to. So people can't see it, not even a cloud administrator. Is confidential computing a product? Is that an umbrella term for other things? Because I'm, I'm seeing it around. We've worked again, worked together about two, three years ago on this, some of this stuff. But like, what is it like from an IBM perspective? Yeah, well, it's actually an industry term. It's not just IBM that's come up with a new thing. There's actually a confidential computing consortium. It's made up of, last I checked, probably 20, 30 members, maybe even more at this point. And it's all these companies that have realized the need for this confidential computing. And if we go back you know, a second, why do we even get to this need? because there's really three areas where your data can be at any given time, right? You can have it at rest. It's, it's stored somewhere. It's not being processed. It's just kind of waiting. It can be in transit, which is two applications talking to each other or starting to move around. And those two areas have historically been, again, maybe not easy, but more easy to protect than, than the third one because you can use encryption and other networking protections to make sure that no one can see that data. However, when you start looking at this third pillar of data in use, it really can't be encrypted anymore, although there's some new technologies that might help with this. But traditionally, you had to decrypt it to process that data. So it's now in the clear. You now can see that plain data sitting out there while it's while it's in use, while it's being processed by your banking application or whatever application you're running. And that's where hackers and other malicious people are, are getting smarter and saying, you know, that's really the area that's not protected. We're going to go in there and, and target our ransomware or malware or whatever it is on the data in use because it's decrypted. So when we get back to the Confidential Computing Consortium, all these members, IBM isn't named as a member, but that's because Red Hat is actually a member and, you, you know, because we're all one happy family now, um, that, that's our participating member. So anyway, we're part of that. And this consortium has come up with this need and defined this term to protect data in use through, again, a hardware-based technique, trusted execution environment. All these companies have bought into it. It's now an industry term. 
many different products can hit on that. And that's where IBM comes in and has a whole suite of products, the HyperProtect portfolio that I mentioned earlier, the virtual servers, DBaaS or crypto services can address confidential computing, provide confidential computing. We also have DataShield here at IBM, uh, one of our fellow teams, which is a Kubernetes-based Intel uh, software security, uh, software card extensions, excuse me, um, based technology. So there's a couple different ways you can get there. It's not prescriptive in, in how you have to get there, but it's prescriptive in the sense that you have to protect that hardware in use or protect the memory in use and through a hardware-based technique. Okay, interesting. So again, I got the umbrella term of confidential. We have some capabilities within IBM. When you speak to clients, what are the use cases? Do you have examples of how this is beneficial, how this helps clients feel better protected when it comes to the most sensitive data? Sure. Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword or two sides of a coin, however you want to say it, because in one way, it's a very generic idea. You want to protect this data at use, which means it's not a banking specific. It's not an insurance specific thing. It's any use case, any company who has sensitive data that they want to use in the public cloud, in a hybrid cloud, any sort of environment, they might need this protection of data in use. So anyone can use it. And the other side of that, of course, is that, well, there are so many different use cases. You know, How do you target that? So what we are doing is focusing more on the extremely high confidential data, right? The banking applications, the insurance, those kind of traditional government, um, those kind of traditional use cases and companies that come to mind when you think of data protection and highly sensitive data. But it really applies to anyone. So we've seen things like the digital asset platform where they're tokenizing assets, um, usually cryptocurrencies, right? A Bitcoin or something like that. And selling, buying, trading, doing all these things with those assets. These are all built on the HyperProtect platform using virtual servers, DBAS, and crypto in conjunction. We also have a company that's doing managed services. So they host applications, they run things for other companies, they're dealing with a lot of sensitive things. Like, for instance, they might run a campaign, a marketing campaign, political campaign, even for, for companies. That's a lot of email addresses of contacts and personal information it might even get into social security numbers if they need to run a particular campaign or something for banking. So you can't have all of that. You're collecting a lot of it from different companies, but they're using confidential computing. They're using HyperProtect virtual servers to build their application where that memory is always protected. Again, not even IBM cloud has access to it. Another couple exciting ones is Daimler came to IBM cloud and they had an interesting concern, which was that they were dealing with a lot of manufacturing data, a lot of big, big data from all of their manufacturing plants. And they didn't want a scenario in which they're based in Germany. What if the U.S. government subpoenaed IBM to get the data that IBM cloud is hosting? Well, we can't do that if you're built on the HyperProtect portfolio or confidential computing portfolio, because we as the cloud provider don't have access to see that data. So you're taking advantage of that confidential computing. You're storing that data in our database. We can't access it. And finally, one of the another big one for IBM Cloud is the, the FS Cloud or the Financial Services Cloud, taking all of these banking applications and getting them hosted on IBM, running with a whole range of IBM Cloud products from 
databases to the crypto services to VMware for regulated workloads, taking all that, tying that all together, protecting that data with our crypto services to make sure that only authorized users have access, really works on the identity management and user access at a very granular level to make sure it's all protected. So long story short, a couple of interesting use cases there, but across a whole range of industries, people are using confidential computing to protect their data and make sure that only the correct people have access to only what they really need to see, not just everything. That, that makes sense. And it's interesting because you mentioned the digital asset custody. I've been looking for a place to store all my Dogecoin uh, keys. <laughs> but, but I think what I'm trying to get a point, you know, besides the joke, is the fact that this seems to be a type of computing, a technology, a capability that's not just for large enterprises, right? It can be adopted by a startup, somebody who's trying to do anything that is security dependent. And the security thing is interesting to me as well, because it's like talking about comedians. It's like, hey, this comedian, she's really funny. He's really funny. It's like security is kind of in that same world where it's, hey, I'm secure. And it's hard to prove it out. But I think in this instance, um, HyperProtect does have a certain designation that signifies its um, capability, right? It's from the FIPS organization. What's under NIST, I believe. But it's like, what, FIPS 20 level fours? Yeah, FIPS 140-2 level four. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Is that a designation that IBM puts on it? Or how is that discerned? Right. So that's a third party certification that's actually tied to the crypto service. And it's a hardware certification where our hyperprotect crypto services are built on hardware that is certified to that level. And level four is the highest you can go. It's the only public cloud offering that offers something that goes to level four. And to sum it up, right, there's levels one through four. Level one basically has no protection for your keys. Um, Right. So this is all hardware security modules where you're storing your keys, where you're running the encryption algorithms and other encryption um, use cases. Level two is it'll start to tell you, hey, something happened and you should really watch out. Level three starts to give warnings and maybe start to fight back a little bit saying someone's trying to access your keys or your data, shut it down. Level four is where it's protected against physical attacks. It's protected against electrical strikes, chemical attacks, if you're trying to access the actual silicone in these hardware security modules. And if it detects a breach or an attack of any kind, it's going to erase those keys so that there's no access, even if they were to get in using some obscure method, the keys are gone. They can't do anything with it. So that's where that certification comes in and all of our crypto services utilize that. Oh, interesting. So that, that seems top notch to say the least. And it kind of exactly. re- and it relies on a lot of the IP that I think IBM's developed throughout for, over the years. Yeah, this is all going back to the hardware that it's based on developing. Right? We're ba- we're all built on these Linux One technology, which is IBM's super Linux servers, right? Big Linux servers that IBM builds and, and sells and, and creates. And it's all based on that technology and bringing those security capabilities are inherent only to the Linux One technology into a public cloud environment to give the confidential computing assurances that we're able to offer. And what I'm, what I'm also understanding then is you're able as a user to take advantage of these capabilities to have this super secure environment, but maybe not even be an expert. 
So if I'm a developer, if I'm a DBA, if I'm an IT ops person in charge of VMs, I can utilize this and inherently get the benefit of, of this, these capabilities, but maybe not know or be an expert for security or insecurity. That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, a crypto is going to run if you've done any sort of key management or encryption technology. It's just using another cloud encryption service. Um, you, you wouldn't know at all. Same with the, the database. We offer either Postgres or MongoDB. If you're familiar with either of those databases at all or learning them, you're not going to have to learn a whole new type of database. It's all consistent based on those types of databases and that knowledge. You wouldn't even know. With virtual servers, you, you are getting a little bit lower into that into the stack and you start to see some of the technology. But um, we do have all sorts of features that make it easy to just port things onto there. We have what's called bring your own image. So if you're using any type of Docker image or it's hosted on an IBM cloud registry or Docker hub or anything like this, and there's thousands of pre-configured ones out there already, you can port that onto a HyperProtect virtual server and be up and running in just a matter of minutes, seconds even. So you don't have to be an expert in any sort of special technology or anything like this. It's going to run like a virtual server. It's going to run like a database. It's going to run crypto um, without having to learn a whole new technology or recode your applications or any of that. Speaking of learning, where would I go to learn more about this? If I'm a, a DBA, if I'm a developer, how do I get my hands on this? How do I learn? How do I experiment? So we at IBM have done a whole push on getting what we call a Learn Hub page out there. So actually, if you just Google confidential computing, you don't even need IBM, but IBM, would, <laughs> you can add that to the search as well. It'll be the one of the first pages that pop up is you know our, our Learn Hub page. It'll go deeper into what is confidential computing, talk about the technology, kind of from a product agnostic point of view, learn more about confidential computing. From there, you can also go to IBM's confidential computing product page in which we'll talk more about all the the products I've talked about from DataShield to the HyperProtect services to secure execution for Linux, all of which are confidential computing products offered by IBM. Each of those will have demos, tutorials, code patterns, any way to get your hands on it. Uh, we do have free trials for many of these products if you want to go into the cloud catalog and get started. We also have a developer page that we can put a link in the description of the podcast that people can check out all of our demos and code patterns out as well and, and get their hands on right away. Awesome. Great. So no matter what job title you have or what kind of your, your role is, you have a way to kind of get up and running and started and familiar with this capability. Um, exactly. So wonderful. Good. Uh, in, in wrapping up, Alex, again, I want to thank you for your time. Was there anything you wanted to leave our audience with before we left? I think it's just important to remember that when you talk about confidential computing and, and IBM's suite of products that address this specifically, right? I come from the hypotech world, so I'll harp on them, but we offer more than just that operational assurance. We're offering technical assurance that the data is safe in those applications, processed in the public cloud without any you know, risk of, of tampering or malicious activity because of the way that we utilize a confidential computing environment. Awesome. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad we could catch up and share your experience with the HyperProtect team and confidential computing. On behalf of Alex, I want to thank all our listeners for participating in this episode. Thanks and have a great day. 